Good afternoon. Happy Sabbath. Welcome to this afternoon's uh, panel discussion. Uh, we hope that with all the young energy that's going to be up on this platform, that you're motivated and you're energized yourself to do work as soon as you go back home. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much again for the Sabbath. It feels like a high Sabbath. I feel like heaven is singing with us and, and, and they're rejoicing with, uh, with happiness and expectation. Your people have gathered, Lord, to strengthen each other, to sharpen each other, to uplift each other. And I just pray that you would add your blessing to everything that happens here. Thank you again. We ask that you would join us. You would be the guest of honor this afternoon. These things we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right. So we have hand-selected eight panelists that are going to come out. Uh, go ahead, guys. Don't be scared. Fear is one thing that they do not know. These individuals uh, have been hand-selected because they have been active in ministry from day one, from their youth, in their training, in medical school, dental school, and, of course, uh, extending all the way into residency. Our hosts, in addition to myself, is Josie Bailey. Dr. Bailey is an internist at, um, actually, an internal medicine resident. Wow. You see how I graduated you? That quick. That quick. You got to put in work, sister. You got a little bit to go. So um, <clears throat> Dr. Bailey and I are going to be your um, hosts for this panel, your moderators. And what I want to take a very quick moment to do is I'm going to start down here um, with our panelists at the very end. We're just going to go down the road, down the row, and just introduce who you are and tell us what your, uh, where you are in your level of training and in what, uh, in what area. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hope the food's settling in just well. My name is Amber McKeever, and I am a fourth-year dental student. Hi, I'm Jeremy Holt, and I'm also a fourth-year dental student. I'm Charlene Wong, and I'm a fourth-year medical student. My name is Christian Viegas, and I am a first-year resident in PMNR. Hi, my name is uh, Daniel DeBarlebin, and I just graduated from residency, so I'm a family physician. My name is Jacqueline Neumann, and I'm completing my general practice residency in dentistry. My name is Adrian Beta, and I'm in my fourth year of medical school. I'll be going to emergency medicine. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Victoria Chung. I'm a second-year family medicine resident in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Looks like uh, Victoria has a support group. Did, did they come all the way out from Tulsa? No? Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and dive right in. We have a series of questions that we want uh, each one of our panelists to engage um, again, we'll dive right in. Jeremy, I got a question for you. Um, you are in your last year of dental school. You have a passion for ministry that I personally am acquainted with. I know because from day one, Jeremy came, approached me in dental school. Uh, he said, I want to start a Bible study. He had a core team of classmates. He wanted to start a Bible study to reach his classmates. And so, um, we, you know, of course, he, he asked me if I would open up my house. And I said, sure, what am I going to say? No, right? <laughs> so if it wasn't for COVID, we'd still be meeting at my house. 
We did that for a good year or so, a little bit over a year, and actually maybe two years, and then COVID hit. But I know you guys uh, are still meeting, to my, to my understanding. So this was such an urgency for you to spearhead. We just want to know what effect you have seen in your life because of, of this. Uh, you cannot be involved in something like a Bible study for your classmates and not be affected. Um, when, when I started dental school and was being recruited to dental school and doing my interview, they, they said that the class would be about 60% non-Adventist. And that's a huge opportunity. When I got to, to dental school, I realized that Adventist edu- uh, institutions are great, but they're no better than the people in them as far as the ministry goes. And so that's each one of us. And so I had a burden. I had four years that I'd be with my classmates. And I wanted to make sure that before they left, they had the opportunity, if they were interested, to learn what we as Seventh-day Adventists believe. Amen. Amen. Uh, and that has been transforming to me. I have learned what I believe a lot more. Mm. Uh, and I think everyone who has been involved has grown through that process. Mm. Amen. And that is an absolute truth. When you are teaching, you are learning. Because you get difficult questions. I mean, at this level, you get students that have pulled away from their peers in undergrad, and now you got the sharpest of the sharp. Even if you're at the bottom like I was, you are still dealing with the sharpest of the sharp from undergrad. So you're going to get some complicated questions. So that is iron sharpening iron. Josie, you have our next question. I do. I have it for Adrian. Now, Adrian, you are at a secular medical school, specifically Mayo Clinic. And we'd like you to share with us what unique challenges you've come across with ministry um, while you're training, and then also the burden that you're feeling, how you Describe that and how you are working with that burden with, um, alongside your peers at Mayo Clinic. It's a great question. And um, so initially to talk about the challenges, I think one of the challenges with doing ministry while you're in training is just the time, right? You either are studying or wishing you were studying, and that's generally how it goes. And so taking the time to do something different always feels a little stressed. You're always like, you know, I have this exam coming up. But one thing I learned in undergrad doing ministry is that God always repays. You know, he always takes the time to give you back whatever it is that you put in. And so in medical school, you know, I've been able to be a part of several different projects. And people often ask, like, how do you find the time? Like, we have a, a ministry we're starting in Kentucky called Bright. And it's about a 12-hour drive for us. And we've been down there like 10 times. And everyone always says, how do you have the time? And my kind of response is, like, how do you do without it? Because for us, it's given me motivation. You know, when I'm up studying or when I'm feeling like stressed about school, having ministry to be a part of kind of reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think if I forgot that, medical school would have been unbearable. It would have been very difficult to get through without staying connected to the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. And so it's been a blessing for me to be able to kind of continue what brought me there. And that kind of motivates me as I go along. And yeah. You know, um, when, you're, when you're a student, obviously, the, uh, the schedule is very oppressive. But when you're an Adventist student, how does, this is a broad question. Anyone could, could fire off an answer here. What does ministry, being active in ministry as a student or as a resident, when your schedule is so compromised, what does it do uh, to your priorities and your worldview? Like, how does your worldview interact with, uh, with your schedule, with your very busy schedule? Um, So going into dental school, 
Um, I don't, I, I feel like maybe these wonderful people had a different uh, start, but I was still very influenced um, in being influenced by others and my peers at that time, but I was very passionate. I was just starting to read the Bible again. Um, and God knew that I needed, I actually needed the position of being the spiritual VP in our class that to hold, uh, being, to be held to a higher standard, it totally, 100% changed my view. I now thought, um, I'm not doing things for myself anymore. I'm doing things to represent God. Yeah. And it's not like I did that out of like fear of what other people would think of me, but God knew I was ready for that step. And I thank God every single day that uh, Jeremy over here convinced me to take that position because uh, it truly changed my life and it changed my view. And I, I wanted to be there for my classmates more than how can I get a better grade on this next test. Mm. Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, I, I can resonate with you because, um, you know, there's a strange rumor that goes around while you're in training, and it's that you got to wait until you are done with your training so that you can uh, witness later. But the, the problem with that is that activity is a law of life. And if you are not moving, if you are not practicing what you have been learning in theory, then you will spiritually die. And so... Um, I think that participating in ministry, whether it's in Bible studies, helping the homeless or what have you, it helps keep you alive spiritually. Um, and it's actually essential. It's essential just as righteousness by faith, as having faith, as, you know, growing in your spirituality, you, it requires activity. I would just like to add to that, that out of personal experience, when I was having a rough time in dental school, uh, the Lord just put on my heart heavily, like, go and serve my people. I am, I am not a perfect person, but when you see others that have so many more problems in life than you do, it really um, puts a sense of humility and gratitude in one's own heart. And I remember that actually going to the homeless shelter two, three days, three nights a week sometimes, despite this busy schedule, like held me together spiritually. I think my spiritual life would have died without it, and so would have my joy. And Jacqueline, while you still have the mic, <laughs> we, those are your experiences through med medical school, but now that you're fresh out and you're in your residency at a VA, no less, how are you continuing that ministry to affect those around you? So I would say that um, piggybacking off of my, what my brother here said, don't wait until you are at a certain point where you think this is the right time to do something. Um, because our character and our inward thought habits in life, it continues forming every single day. And I could say like through dental school, um, everything that I picked up, like the level of integrity and the level of standard that you're held to, like, uh, like Amber was talking about, um, that is something that permeates all of your life. And also I had a patient that um, I prayed for the mom. He had some special needs. She called the coordinator and said, please tell that same student to pray for me again. I remember she prayed for me. It worked. I need her prayers today again too. And now that I'm at doing the general practice residency, I have patients coming in that have the same level of need. 
And when I see that they're a person of faith, I offer to pray with them. So that habit of praying for my patients while I was in dental school now is continued through to residency. And it's up at a place where, I mean, it's government, but there are still Christians working there. There are still patients that come there that appreciate it. So it's the habits that you develop. It's, it's the rituals, so to speak, that become important for who, who you are as a person and who you will continue to be as a professional. That's a good answer. So what has being in a very, very busy schedule taught you about what God is able to do when you do his business? Anyone? I uh, basically started out my, my uh, spiritual walk, you know, growing as everybody does. And I also have been growing in my educational abilities as well. Uh, in undergrad, I did all right. Um, and I wasn't putting any special, special effort in maybe uh, to do a, a, as much ministry as I have in dental school. As I have focused more on, on ministry, I've noticed that my time has become more efficient in my studying. My grades have gone up. And the only thing I can contribute that to is actually the ministry that I have actually put first as I've gotten higher in education. Hmm. Amen. You know, all of us, I think, as Adventists, we, we run into that Sabbath hour, that 24-hour challenge. Even, in, even at Loma Linda, you know, like Jeremy said, a good portion of our students are, are not of our denomination. And so you have that, hey, what are you doing tonight? Well, I'm studying. And you're like, oh, it's Friday night, you know, um, and they're going to get a better score than me. They're going to ruin the curve. They don't have curves anymore, right? <clears throat> so there's always that thing. I can only imagine for you as well, uh, Adrian, that, that that challenge is there, probably yourself, Victoria, um, but God always comes through, right? When you handle God's business, God handles your business. Amen? Amen. Got a question for you, uh, Dr. Villegas. Um, Dr. Villegas is uh, a uh, resident in physical medicine and uh, rehabilitation. And so Sabbath afternoons are a prime opportunity for a nap. I remember when I was in dental school, I would come home, I'd, have pot, I'd go to potluck, and then I'd come home, and I would sleep from 2 in the afternoon till 8 o'clock at night. 6, that's generous, until 8 o'clock at night, and then I would stay up all night studying. So um, once I got married, my wife said, uh, we're stopping that. <laughs> so um, tell us about what you did during that precious Sabbath afternoon time all the way up till today. And uh, in your first year of residency of PM&R, you also studied, you also started a weekly Bible study for your classmates on Sunday evenings in your first year in medical school, which you still are doing to this day. Seems like a lot of commitment to ministry. How did this affect your academic performance? Yeah, so um, I guess one of the first things is um, I too growing up um, enjoyed the Sabbath nap with my parents and my family. Um, but I think um, I started in college, and I'm kind of going off of what Jackie was saying before about the habits that God wants us to build, not only in the future when we're practicing, you know, whatever professional that we're practicing in, but also in the day-to-day -day habits that influence who we are as a person and influence our daily relationships. God was um, forming the habit of, of serving Him, you know, at any time, including the Sabbath. And so my wife and I, before medical school, were heavily involved in a homeless ministry. 
And one of the things that I noticed from that ministry was that um, the, the thoughts of, of self started, started to dwindle and more thoughts towards other people started coming into my mind about mm. those people who became my friends and my family throughout the week. And now how could I find ways to help them? And so um, as I transitioned to medical school, um, my wife and I were very exhausted from that ministry because we were so invested in it, not only physically but emotionally speaking as well. And so we were thinking, well, maybe we'll take a little bit, you know, um, of, of kind of uh, the periphery and kind of enjoy some of the, the views and be able to enjoy some time with friends and family. But um, as God formed my habits and, and, and asking me to give my time to him and I accepted, then he found more opportunities for me to serve him. And um, like you said before, you know, how can we say no? How can we say no to God? And um, so a friend of mine told me about this door-to-door ministry, which I actually had never experienced canvassing or the work of canvassing. And so up to that point. And so I went door-to-door and I'm seeing my friends knock on the door. And then, you know, we're sharing the great controversy. We're praying with, with these families here. And I'm seeing this unfold before my eyes. And I was like, wow, these people are so calm. They're so collected here at the door. In my heart, I'm like super terrified. My heart's beating. I'm like, and like, now it's your turn. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> hoping that I don't mess up. And, you know, by the grace of God, you know, um, we're able to, to share the book. And, and people are accepting it. And we're seeing door after door that, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, mm-hmm. you know. And so God wants his children out there serving him because now now is the time you know that as we're reminded day by day that jesus is coming soon and so fast forward a couple months later and someone's asking me to help lead this ministry when i had just started you know just a couple months ago and so um it's one thing after another where god pushes me a little bit more to say give a little bit more of your time a little bit more of your time and you know um you can't outgive god so when 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 you're giving your time to him he either multiplies it or finds gifts and blessings in other ways of your life. And so, um, you know, you mentioned before the medical student Bible study. You know, there was a, a spiritual revival series that happened at Loma Linda. And we're seeing this happen and seeing this group of this spiritual community that's developing on campus. And we're saying, we don't want this to stop. You know, we want, we want this to continue. We want medical students to be able to, to see that it's possible to meet together and to come together and not just study all the time, but mm. to, to study in his word. Amen. And so um, we, conti- we, we, we continue that. And by the grace of God, like you mentioned before, it's still going today. Um, throughout that time, I was definitely stretched thin for my time. Mm-hmm. There was times where I, you know, participated in Bible study or ministry instead of studying, especially the day before the test. Um, but by the grace of God, he, he led me through it without, without ever failing an exam, you know, and, 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 and passing, you know, with, with um, uh, distinguishment. So I just praise God for, for what he's done and, and um, what, it, um, what he's doing now. Amen. Amen. And, and by the way, I mean, for spending an entire week underwater, feeling like you're drowning, the name of their Bible study is called Above Ground. <laughs> so they come uh, at least one for a couple hours a week and spend a little bit of time on an island above ground. Go ahead, Josie. Yes, I want to direct a question to Ms. Charlene here. Charlene, you've been active in ministry since the start of medical school, and I'd like you to share with everyone how that has shaped you, what you've learned of yourself from ministry, and also how um, that's shaped your relationship with God. Yeah, so um, as I said earlier, my name is Charlene. I'm a fourth-year medical student. 
Um, so from the beginning of med school, um, I was involved with, uh, there's a Sabbath school at, um, at our campus called Advent Hope. Um, sorry, I'm not speaking to the mic enough, okay. <laughs> and then, um, uh, as Christian said, um, we got involved with Above Ground and um, with Bible studies and that sort of thing. Um, what it has taught me about myself it hasn't really as much taught me about myself as it has taught me about God and how good God is. Um, my medical school journey is not um, your typical medical school journey. I had to repeat a year after a second year. And I found that even though um, there were trials and even though like, even though you do things for God and you expect things to turn out a certain way, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way you expect it to. Um, but God is still faithful, and I've been really blessed through the ministries I've been part of. Like, for example, this above-ground ministry that Christian was talking about, literally my best memories in medical school came from above-ground and the friends and the relationships that I made with this group of people. Um, I've found that God has uh, helped me to, to grow, um, challenged me to... Um, do new endeavors as I lead classmates and whatnot. And um, I found that even though there may be trials and valleys that happen, and things may not go necessarily exactly the way you want to go, you may be faced with failure, um, God is still good, and God is still using you despite all of that. Amen. And if I can ask one more question about that. Um, so failure, not an easy topic for graduate students to talk about or even admit to, am I right? Um, so Charlene, with, with that topic in mind, do you feel like having as failure, but truly almost a drawing closer to Christ during that time, do you feel like those moments have given you more opportunities to witness? Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> like... It definitely has given me more opportunities to reach those who have also gone through hardships. When you open up and you share, like, hey, I struggled with medical school, I had to repeat a year, all of a sudden everyone else's um, walls go down and they're able to share with you what they go through. Um, and I found that a lot of people don't say it out loud, but they're struggling also. Um, they're struggling to stay afloat and a lot of people actually have ended up repeating and, and that sort of thing. And um, Sorry, what was your original question? <laughs> you're, you're pretty much answering okay. it, but do you feel like the failure has given you more opportunity oh, to reach out? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when I think about the two Bible studies, um, I think that the dental school was Elevate. That was the name of the Bible study from Elevator, you know, extraction, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> above ground. And, I, you know, my wife and I, are very busy in our schedules, but when you get, and this is a, an appeal to the older, the older uh, generation, when you have young people that approach you and say, I want to start a Bible study, I need a place to host, you need to step up. You need to step up. Open your homes. We were running uh, uh, Above Ground on Sunday. Uh, we were running uh, Elevate on Thursday nights. We had uh, dental hygiene and residency Bible studies on Friday nights alternating. And these kids ate us out of house and home. 
I thought, I thought, you know, on a Sunday I would be like, oh, I don't have time to cook. I'm going to go buy Chinese. And I'd bring two big trays and I'd be like, well, you know, there'll be some leftovers, certainly, you know. No, I had, I had medical students say, hey, do you have any Tupperware uh, that I can... And I'd be like, are you serious? I'm supposed to feed you all week? But anyway, but it was, you know, honestly, I think about all of the non-Seventh-day Adventists that have come through our house because of you guys' invitation. And, um, you know, sometimes I think to myself, I see those same students at the gym and on campus now about to graduate or in their first year of residency, and I think to myself, those Bible studies were the only moment they came to face, face-to-face with the beautiful message that we have as an Adventist church. Is that crazy? But it is. It, it, they, on their knees, with their Bibles open, this was the, the one moment that we were able to explain to them the beautiful truths that we have. Why the Sabbath? Why the health message? Things like that. And so, again, um, God has used you guys. Continue to let him use you. I want to introduce you guys to Dr. Victoria Chung here, right next to me. Um, Victoria, you are a resident in a very unique Christian family medicine program. It's called In His Image. I got that right. Share with us a little bit about that program and tell us how you have been able to minister and be a light as an Adventist in that program. And how does the urgency of the times manifest itself in your training? That's an excellent question. Um, So when I was on my interview trail as a fourth-year medical student, um, after I interviewed at In His Image... I canceled the rest of my interviews for the rest of the season because I felt like this was the place that God was calling. Um, And part of it was because um, there was a leadership of mentors there um, that really lived out like, and they were non-denominational, but they truly wanted to complete the great the gospel commission, um, and they lived their lives that way. A lot of people would intentionally live in an area in North Tulsa, similar to San Bernardino, um, live next to their neighbors, you know, minister to their neighbors. A lot of them had been overseas missionaries for years and years and years. And so, I guess just an encouragement for all those who are thinking about, you know, where do they want to go for the next step? Um, going to a place where there's mentors that you really respect, like when you see their character and you see the way they live their lives and you say, like, that's who I want to be. Um, I, I think it's important to go to training where, where people like that are going to be training you. So anyway, um, it's been a wonderful program. Um, it's specifically training Christian physicians who are supposed to be missionaries abroad. Um, in terms of, like, the opportunities for ministry for me as a resident, um, I mean, we've said it again and again, but the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. And so um, my husband and I, we started a Bible study on Friday nights at our house, and I, I, I will say that my whole intern year had been tough, and I honestly didn't do, like, Bible studies. I just went to church, and I really felt that drought inside of myself. And so at the end of my first year, um, I had been praying a lot, and um, God just convicted me that he was worthy of so much more than I had been doing. And so that's when we started the Bible study, and um, every Friday night we have a mixture of different residents come, some people from church, and then also we've been reaching out to our neighbors, Um, and it has been the biggest blessing for us. Um, And through that ministry, um, some of the neighbors that we've been reaching out to have been coming to church with us Mm. on Sabbath. And then through, and they're kids, so they're like 13, 9 years old, 10 years old, you know, some in high school. And then through them, they're their parents are now coming to church with us too. Amen. And so um, it's just a, you know, like you're, the mission feels 
so wide. It's your co-residents, it's your patients, but it's also your neighbors that you live next to. And then one other story I'll share is um, in terms of reaching out to patients. Um, our, you know, and we learn about this in Loma Linda, the importance of prayer and how that, that's probably the most powerful tool that we have. Um, there was a patient that I had who I'd seen twice in the hospital for alcohol, um, alcohol like intoxication and then withdrawal. And the second time I saw him, um, he was like, he was kind of dying. Like he was a refugee. He didn't have any friends or family in the area that he, he told me he didn't have any friends or family and he had suffered a stroke before. And so he had disability and he was literally drinking himself to death. And so in the morning, I just, I don't know. I feel like God just impressed me. I was just very honest with him. I told him you are killing yourself with what you're doing. The reason why you survived that stroke, like God has a purpose and plan for you. And, um, you know, I believe that there's a reason why you're still here. And so then we would pray together every morning. And then he followed up with me um, in clinic like a couple weeks later. And um, he came with a translator friend. And I guess, so I guess he did have friends. Anyway, he came with a translator and the translator told me, hey, you know, um, um, his name is, or I can't say what his name is, but he said, hey, um, this guy who's with me, um, he started coming to church. And then I followed up with him in clinic a couple weeks later after that, and it turned out he got baptized. Wow. And he shared yeah. that the reason why he got baptized was because of the prayers in the morning together. Amen. And he said he, he didn't know his value and worth until he realized someone would be willing to pray for him. Amen. So you never know the difference that you can make with just prayer. Amen. And to ask you a little bit, to tag on to that, Victoria, um, those moments where you're urged to pray, um, what, what happens if you all of a sudden say, I'm too scared, I'm not going to do it this time? Is, will more opportunities come? And what should you tell yourself or help yourself through for the next time? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I guess you never know the counterfactual when you don't pray. Um, but I cannot even tell you how many times, I don't even remember how many times the specific patients, because it's happened so many times where um, it's just a, it seems like a normal encounter. I offer a word of prayer, they say yes, and they are crying at the end of the prayer. Mm. And I don't even know what's going on in their heart. And I don't even honestly remember sometimes what I'm saying, but God is trying to reach them. And it's not about us, you know, it's like we're broken vessels. I mean, he can use any of us, um, but clearly these people are impacted. And that means that there's so much need out there, you know? Um, it's not about us. It's about how good God is That's and right. the power that he has to transform their lives. That's right. You had a question for Amber, didn't you? I do have a question for Amber. <laughs> so, uh, Amber, as a fourth-year dental student, you and your fiancé have been involved in a ministry every Sabbath afternoon. Can you tell us about a recent pretty spectacular event that happened because of that consistency and willingness to be part of this ministry? Yes. Yes, I can. So um, I guess we all love the Sabbath afternoon nap. <laughs> but uh, sh my fiancé, Shion, and I, we, we were starting to pray, like, God, like, at least for me in my heart, I was asking God, like, God, there has to be something more about the Sabbath than going to church, enjoying it, potluck with your friends. And yes, we, him and I were both involved in other ministries with our class and with our coworkers and everything but just there's something just about giving back on the sabbath and when we when i heard this sermon that said um god allows us to rest on the sabbath so we can help others rest it all clicked for me and so i we really wanted to go to the homeless ministry after sabbath um in the sabbath afternoon and there we met our friend ralph 
Um, he was homeless. He was sitting on the sidewalk, uh, just completely hopeless. And um, it, I guess I've never had someone look me in the eyes and ask me, um, so what do I do? How do I get to know God? He's sincerely asking me, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so we prayed, and then we, we talked it through, and at the end, he was just crying so, so, so much, like things had been bottled up for years. And then we asked him if he wanted a Bible, and he wanted a Bible. Um, and basically, we started having Bible studies with him for eight months. And we went back. Oh, long story short, he prayed about two things. He was homeless. He was sitting on the sidewalk. He prayed about two things. One, that God would give him a place to stay, shelter. And two, that God would help him with his addictions. And the reason why we couldn't find him the next week and give him the Bible we had promised him is because one week after that prayer, God answered his prayer and he got into the shelter. And um, he, we saw him again and he, we were like, wow, Ralph, uh, God answered your prayer. And he's like, oh yeah, he did. And so um, we, that's when we started having the weekly, once a week, every single week for eight months Bible study. And it's not just Shion and I, it was a team of us. It was Pete, Lingus, and a few of us that just, whatever we were doing, we made sure that someone was there to be with him and someone else. And three weeks ago, he got baptized. Amen. Amen. Um, so we can see clearly that, that God's just looking for willing and able young people and old people, right? Older people, right? Uh, just wants vessels to say, look, I'm, I'm willing to put in the time because these things that we're, we're working on here are eternal. They have eternal consequences and ramifications. Uh, the other thing I would add to that is, remember how I said, when you handle God's business, God handles your business. Would you say that uh, you got to know your now fiancé a little bit better um, <laughs> when you were doing ministry? Yes. Okay, so that's just the one-word answer, and that's the correct answer, because that is a vital thing for young people too, right? Would you agree with that? Right? And what, what a better way to find your future spouse than hands on the plow, working for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any other questions? I have one. Go ahead. I do have one. So what would be an easy way for, for everyone here, whether no matter what age you are, um, but let's say specifically students first, what would be an easy way to start being active in ministry? Like what do you tell yourself to get going and step out of your comfort zone? Well, I would just say for anything, the very first thing you want to do is pray. Me and my, uh, I'm, I'm part of a team here, me and my friend uh, Ryan Poole and my wife, of course, and, and uh, Ryan Poole and his wife, were part of a team, and um, we got an idea a couple months, well, about a year ago, to start just praying every day at four o'clock in the morning, and just pray, 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 and that led to a church plan, so, you know, you never know, I would just say pray, 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 God will show you what to do, that's the very first thing to do. I was going to say the exact same thing. I would say the first thing to do is pray. Um, come to God just as you are with all your doubts and all your fears um, and say, here I am. Like, show me where you want me to be. Show me what you want me to do. Um, because as health professionals and health professional students, we have um, 
two populations that we could reach out to. One is our patients, and the other is um, our classmates, coworkers. And no one can reach those people better than you can because no one else is in your same situation. Mm -hmm. So just ask God to open the doors. Just present yourself and say, just show me opportunities, and God will answer that prayer. I totally agree more. Go ahead, Jacqueline. You had something to say. I was going to add to those really awesome answers that um, if you're kind of like me where you're like, oh my goodness, where do I start? Everyone is like talented in this and that. And uh, just don't, don't overthink it. Um, sometimes we live in our head a lot. We don't actually get to the practical part of like ministry. <laughs> um, we are trained scientists and thinkers after all, so that can be our Achilles heel. Um, but just do the one thing that you think is nearest to you. Pray for wisdom to know what that is. Just take a, the first baby step. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't go into dental school thinking, oh, I want to be class chaplain. I want to be chaplain for the the dental the student dental association here at my school. You know, I, that was not in my plan. I fought it for a long time. And some of you guys may already know what it is, but you may be fighting it too, just like I did. So maybe evaluate that. And um, also pray that the Lord gives you a team. You may not always have people around you, like in my class, versus like Jeremy and Amber's class, it's a whole different dynamic. And it can be discouraging, but there's always people that God will help put in your path that will help you step up to the plate together. And like Dr. Moretta, and everyone has a piece to play. So um, for the uh, older here, but young at heart, you have those mentorship opportunities. You probably have a home that you can share. Some food, some love, some family time. Like there are people that need that. Everyone has something that they can contribute. Amen. So I want to want to remind us that uh, when you graduate and you get out there, God will bring you patience to your doorstep, to your chair, to your bedside, right? But right now in your training, you got to think about your circle of influence, the people that are most closely surrounding you, right? In lab, right? Uh, for those of us who are, were, went through the dental route, uh, in medical school, everyone who's sitting to your left and to your right, there's a, you know, right there where you meet to eat, right? These are, this is your circle of influence. These are the, God, the people that God are bringing to you right now. So those are all opportunities. Daniel, I got a really big question for you. I've known you since you were a young buck back in, uh, in Ohio, applying to medical school, home, saying, bro, I, I really want to get in. Uh, I'm just praying with the, whatever the Lord has, whatever the Lord has. You're like a broken record every time I saw you at, at Sabbath school. But you just finished family medicine residency a couple of years, a couple months ago. Congratulations, doctor. You also just returned from an incredible, incredible experience in Africa. Is that correct? Yes. What was the result of that effort? Share that with us and tell, share with us what's next for you. And, and think about if you just include, we're kind of running short on time, but just include what this has all led up to and what it's made, what God has used all these experiences uh, to, to make in, in you and, and where you're going in the direction you're heading right now. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, I just want to say first, 
that medical evangelism is virtu- it's impossible. There's no way we can do it. But with God, all things are possible. And as we rely on him, he gives us the power to, to go out and do things. Um, well, as far as Ghana, um, yeah, me and my, my wife, we were um, asked by one of my friends, uh, Dr. Ajiman, he started a USDA, to go to Ghana, um, gather a couple of uh, uh, physicians, well, it's about 30 of them, surgeons, various specialties, to go and do medical evangelism. And uh, my wife, unfortunately, wasn't able to do because she's so compassionate and she stepped up for one of her coworkers. Um, so I called one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Fleming, um, and he's a resident as well. And I said, hey, what do you think about doing a, a medical evangelism in Ghana? And this is two weeks before we fly out. And he's one of those guys where he's part of the team. It's about seven of us, like nine of us. And we do crazy stuff. We Bible studies church planting, all these things together. Um, and he's just one of those, yeah, let's go, let's go, man. So uh, <laughs> we get together, and we didn't, we didn't have no evangelists, play, no, uh, no, doc, no um, uh, material. And so we get on a plane, and we're writing the evangelistic series on our, while we're on the plane. And uh, we got this idea, crazy idea, take all 28 fundamental beliefs, the sanctuary, the fall of Lucifer, everything, condense it, making it to a story, easy to understand, and cover it all in uh, seven days. So we uh, go there, and uh, what we do is we do medical work. So we're family doctors. We do diabetes, hypertension, joint injections, all those things um, in the morning and the afternoon. And then about 6 o'clock, we're already exhausted, maybe seeing like 100 patients, just completely winded. Then it's time to preach. So we preach from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock. And, and I don't know how the Holy Spirit gave us strength to uh, get through this experience. But um, we preach together, tag team preaching the whole time. Uh, I preach, he preaches, just, just having a great time. And uh, we didn't know while we were preaching that there were, uh, peop- there were six teenagers who had been attending the meetings and um, they told us that they had decided they wanted to get baptized and we had made appeals for baptism but uh, I think maybe because of cultural differences no one had really responded but they had decided they want to get baptized so we didn't know and so on a Saturday afternoon while it was pouring rain and there was a snake in the river somewhere um, (laughs) these dedicated teenagers we got together and the pastor said he never postpones baptism, so we have to baptize. It doesn't matter if there's an earthquake or what. So we went ahead, and by God's grace, these teenagers, they, they made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, uh, 17, 16 years old. And uh, I remember what they said, why they wanted to get baptized. Most of them said they want to overcome sin by God's grace. So that's a blessing. Um, answering the other thing um, is what is the fruit of this? Man, it's changed my life, you know. Um, it, it does more impact on us. We are the greatest miracle that there ever is. God is trying to work on our characters, teach us patience, dealing with each other, different personalities. And so I think the greatest miracle has been growing in this experience. Um, where are we going right now? Yeah. Um, me and my wife, uh, we've been called to uh, go to uh, Guam uh, SDA clinic Amen. to uh, begin our, um, our rookie uh, experience as uh, missionaries. Um, and... Um, can you remind me the other question you asked? Uh, I just wanted to know what direction you were going in, in, in this, you know, after your, your entire experience, 
and it's culminating in what you're yes, describing yes. right now. Yes, so, so yeah, where is it going? So ultimately where this is leading is uh, me and my wife were very passionate about ministering to those who are underserved and sharing with them not just a physical healing but spiritual healing. So we're going to be doing uh, third world missions, long-term uh, mission work. We're very excited about that, and we're excited about partnering uh, with all of you, everyone, us, mm -hmm. as this time is wrapping up and um, the, the, the angel of Revelation 18 is about to light up the whole world mm -hmm. and God has called us to arise and shine, right? So, so this is where we are all leading to together and we're excited to be a part of it. Amen. You know, our theme, of course, is while it is day. And when we were discussing the relevance of this theme back almost almost a year ago, um, you can look at it in two different two different from two different angles. One, of course, is that um, while it is day, signals that there's going to be a time that is going to be nighttime, and all of the ministries that you just heard everyone here on the panel describe, it means that there will be a time when we can't do those things, right? But Young person, as I'm appealing to you right now, while it is day also means there's going to be time when you just don't have the energy, where the bones and the joints are creaking, and you guys are like, ah, yeah, you, you, fresh legs, young blood, you guys go knocking on doors, right? And I, I hate to admit it, but I'm starting to talk like that too. Sometimes I'm like, you know, yeah, everyone's so, yeah, they, let them do it, let them handle it, you know? Um, there's going to come a time that, that your day on this planet starts to close down. If you live 70, 80, 90 years, it was still short. You blinked and it was over. Now is the time, young person. We need to lay hands on this plow and work for God. I'm wrapping up now. We've run out of time. We're pretty much going to have to move. Oh, you wanted to say something? Yes, go ahead. 20 seconds. Guys, I used to hate Mondays because it gave me the heebie-jeebies and no one likes to end a weekend, right? Or maybe I'm just the only one. But um, when a friend and I started asking, like, what can we do now? Uh, we started thinking, let's pray. And not, let's not just pray, let's fast and pray. Because God says, you know, that, that prayer and faith and fasting, it's all interwoven together. And we need the Spirit of God in order to finish this work. I encourage you guys, for those of you that would like to feel compelled to, join us wherever you are. There's no Zoom meeting or anything. Wherever you are, you can choose to fast and pray on Mondays, light salad, half day, doesn't matter. Dedicate that day to the Lord. Start off your, your work week um, with eyes wide open, looking for opportunities for people that are dying for the hope that we have so abundantly. And to, uh, before Carlos ends, I want to say one more thing. We have this wonderful panel of students and fresh out of training um, doctors, but I also want to say it doesn't matter what age you are to do what they're doing. That's right. And for those of us, for those of us that are still in training or just out of training compared to Dr. Moretta, who's had more years under his belt, the reason we're here with the experiences. Take it easy. Take it easy. Very much wisdom under the belt. There we go. Um, but the reason these people are up here on this panel, um, that we're here at Amen, 
is because there's someone that influenced us in our life, whether it's our parents, whether it's another physician we worked under, a friend. And so Dr. Moretta has had an impact on all of us. And so I want to encourage you, no matter what age you are, even if you're feeling like, I can't go knock on doors anymore, my bones are getting creaky, (laughs) um, you're still being an example for us, and we're looking to you. So how you treat your patients, how you put forth the effort to pray, um, that's, you're being watched whether you know it or not. So we thank you for being an example, and we ask you, please continue being an example for us because we need you. You know, in closing, I think in the last uh, year and a half, a little over a year and a half, we've all realized how fickle time is, haven't we? Life is very, very delicate. My, um, in my personal circle of, of friends and, and family, I lost 22 people in the last year and a half. That's never happened before. And if you think that, I mean, if that doesn't convince you, we're living in very, very delicate times. This is the time, young person. This is the time. Our appeal, students and residents, is that you consider wasting on Jesus through ministry. Do something now, please. Make an, ur- make an urgent priority about doing God's work, about getting involved in ministry because the rewards are inestimable in this world and in the world to come. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we've come to you. We know exactly what we are. We're dust. We are nothing. But Father, you have condescended to work with humanity to save humanity. And we appreciate that we can be counted as part of your plan of redemption. I want to thank you for the testimony of these young people on this stage, myself included. I want to thank you, Lord, for those in the audience here who have come to be inspired, to be sharpened. And I pray, Father, that as we return to our places of residence, to our training, to our schools, to our residencies, to our homes, Father, that we would return changed. We want to work now for you, who you've done so much for us. Help us to reciprocate and help us to to do this work you've asked us to do. You have called us, now enable us. Open our eyes, give us divine appointments, and help us to work now while it is day. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.